Welcome to the Brownie Podcast, and today we're here with Olivia Vivian, 32-year-old from Australia, and she has done it all. I mean, Ninja Warrior, Olympics, you've even done a lot of college, spin-offs on TV, and we had to hear from Ben about what you all have done. Like, it's insane. We should have <laughs> we should have had you instead of Ben. No. <laughs> yeah, last year. No, nah, I can nah. say that. Ben, 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 is, ben is my friend now. But uh, no, it's insane what you've done. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we're looking so forward to hear about your story, about uh, how you approach working out or training for these insanely big events. And uh, hope you're doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I, I made it, you know. I was going to be here in two hours' time with the time <laughs> difference, but... um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I have to be honest. I kind of, uh, kind of fucked up the time here with, uh, uh, with. Because you guys recently moved. Congrats, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We're back in uh, the West Coast, but that means that we're two hours behind the East Coast. So, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It all, it all worked out. It's all gravy. But um, yeah. Ex- exactly. That here. makes me wonder right away because when we spoke to Ben, he told me that you guys live in a house with another. You know, a couple who was doing Ninja Warriors yeah. uh, and everything wasn't there, but now you moved. So how's that, how that changed in, also in terms of your training? It was kind of, yeah, we had this Ninja Super House in Brisbane. Yeah. There was ninja five of house. us plus a dog. Um, you know, one of them, one of our housemates, Jade, she even like does circus stuff. So she had this eight meter rig that she'd hang all her silks from and her Alira <laughs> and stuff like that and monkey bars and crazy pull-up bars and, and all the Ninja groups. It was super fun, but we just moved back about... Uh, two weeks ago, we're from Perth. And I think it was just a quick scenario where it was, I was traveling a lot earlier this year, um, both Sydney, filming Ninja Warrior, then I was in America, and then all of a sudden our lease ended. And I think we were just like, oh, we didn't um, plan our next step. So we're kind of like, let's go home for a little bit, recoup. Um, and plan what to do next. So it's nice to be home, but yeah, we're definitely missing that camaraderie of all your housemates, you know, when everyone's just on that same vibe. Um, it's really fun. I imagine just working or uh, living in a ninja house, it sounds like you're just doing Ninja Warrior 24-7, right? Just like throughout the house the entire time. Is that what it was like? You wouldn't think that, but I think, you know, anyone in fitness knows you get tired. (laughs) You get exhausted like pretty fast. So it was just a strange setup to, we had like a house warming for all our neighbors uh, because it's such a friendly neighborhood and they just came over and they're like, what the fuck are these grips? Like, you guys have a spinning bar in your house? Like, why? Uh, it was just different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in all fairness, Brownie, you have your whole gym here in totally. your studio. You basically yeah. live here. Uh, that's are you working true. out 24-7? I'm not working out 24-7. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think it makes sense, right? It makes sense. No, but I just imagine, like... Uh, in my, going in my, to the my, fridge, like with a monkey bar. Right? <laughs> There's just a monkey bar hanging like towards the fridge. <laughs> I would love that. I would like would love a house that you just take out all the floorboards and it's just monkey bar. And if you can't cross the monkey bars, then you can't <laughs> yeah. get into the kitchen. I'm sorry. Like it just doesn't happen. Floor is lava. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically. It's, it's, you guys might know her from obviously the Ninja Warrior uh, TV show, the Ninja Warrior spinoffs. Uh, you've been to multiple countries. Mm. You have 161,000 followers on Instagram and over 800,000 on TikTok, which oh, is uh, not not small, not small. Um, so some people, you, you might know her at, Yes, definitely. It's insane what you've accomplished. But what we wanted to get into, what our podcast definitely is also about, is your training and your your the way you work towards these events. You've done lots of big things. And if I'm correct, you started um, with uh, ballet. 
Yeah, yeah. On your eighth, you started with gymnastics. Yeah, but I think it was like just that recreational ballet. Because all I remember about it was like we got to bring in our favorite stuffed toy. And back in the day, like my dad won one of the giant giraffes at the school, at the fair, you know, the local fair. And I would bring in this giant, you know, giraffe sort of toy and just sit on it the whole time. Um, so I say we started in ballet, but I'm not really sure what I was doing in that class. So it wasn't until and later when I think I had a friend stay the night at my house and she had gymnastics class that afternoon. I was, think I was around seven, eight years old. And mum obviously couldn't uh, leave me at home alone. And so she said, Olivia, do you want to do gymnastics and go to gymnastics class? And I was like, nah, Mm-mm. nah, I'm fine, just here. But uh, yeah, if anyone that knows my mum, she's a pretty tough woman. She's like, too bad, get in the car. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, you know, she dragged me into the gym, but instantly I just saw this girl in the corner just going in circles around these bars and I was like, I have to do this. And yeah, then she couldn't get me out of the gym and it was kind of that, I just fell in love with the sport um, just then and there and it just sort of kept snowballing from there and getting invited to the Elite Institute at the age of 10, which to me, like anyone just living their life, they're just like, oh yeah, you just, you just, especially as a kid, you just take it as it comes. But you look back now and you're like, Oh my God, I was training 34 hours a week as a 12 year old. Um, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder because we actually had a gymnast on a few weeks ago and he was fourth in the world on the world championships. Yeah, now he's and a minimalist. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One of the things he also told us, which really surprised us, was that he didn't plan his trainings and he never set a goal like, I want to reach the Olympics because that would bring pressure. How was that for you? Were you really focused on that Olympic dream? Not at first. I I just wanted to learn backflips. Come on, you know, like any sort of kid. And I I think I was just, I had a bit of a natural swing. The bars were always my favourite. And so I got recruited to the elite system. Uh, which definitely is oh, just, it was so different to the gym that I first started, which is all about fun and um, growth and, yeah, moved into this elite centre. But I was an airhead of a child. I'm still an airhead, but just no idea what was going on, just like looking off with the fairies as long as I was doing handstands. I didn't notice, but they had Olympic rings up in the gym. And it wasn't until I, I think I'd been there about two years and then I watched the Sydney Olympic Games on TV and I saw Alana, her name was, she was on the TV and she trained in the gym and that's when I kind of put two and two together. Um, wow. I think I was about 12 years old and that's when I was like, I want to I wanna go to the Olympics and that was my dream, that was my goal and um, scary to say out loud and tell other people. Um, but I knew I was in the right place. Um, it was just a matter of conforming to that system because it, it's pretty brutal, with, you know. So how, how did that change for you in terms of your maybe work ethic or the way you looked at training uh, from going to be this, well, still you're 12 years old, but to yeah. be this uh, well, gymna- gymnast who is just doing gymnastics is, life throws it at her, she's doing, she's really good at it. But now you set a goal for yourself. You want to go to the Olympics. Does something change? I think for me, yes. I think, you know, when you want something bad enough, um, you kind of prioritize it, right? You know, and I think I was just in this institute where they gave you the tools 
to get there. Um, you know, we had Russian head coaches, which at the time were sort of some of the best in the world, and they had their trainings, they had their plans, their schedules. Um, for me back then, I felt like I was just following a program um, in this, it was quite, it was an intense institute. Um, looking back now, I think they've changed a lot of the culture and how they're trying to, um, you know, coach kids and stuff like that because it was very much, you know, no laughing in the gym, no talking. It was super strict. Um, parents weren't allowed to watch your sessions. They could stay for the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes. Um, but I think, I mean, it's a good thing that it changed, but I think it also changed because of you. I guess, if I've read, yeah. like you were the first person to sort of speak up mm. about this in Australia, I believe. Yeah. Um, how, how old were you at that time? Um, I mean, I've, I've tried to speak up a couple times, but that wasn't until I came back from college gymnastics in, at Oregon State, where the system is just so different there. I was so used to this a culture in Australia where it was just criticism. Every, se every session it was, this isn't right, this needs to be fixed, that's not good enough, you're not good enough. It was all just so negative, negative, negative. And then I went to college and the coaches there, they, it's like they did this compliment sandwich with your training. You'd take a turn and they'd be like, that was awesome, oh my God, your toes were so pointed. You could work on your kick a little bit, but excellent effort, you know, and you just come <laughs> off and you're like. No, but that's the way we teach how to do feedback <laughs> yeah. here as well. Was that, sandwich. was that a little American accent? I tried, I tried. I thought, is this a, uh, I'm sure our American viewers yeah. will love that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the, it's definitely how we do it here as well, yeah. but it's yeah. if you were here in the Netherlands and we would hear that, it would kind of be, that is definitely the American way, always yeah. to stay positive yeah. and maybe hold all back on a little feedback, um, but uh, hopefully they, because it's very high, like it's high sports, like it's a high level, so they will definitely tell you feedback when necessary. And yeah. I think... But there's such a big difference. So for example, say I want to give you some feedback, because I do this in business as well. And I, I for example, I want to do some sales and I want to say your website is really bad. I could say, hey, your website is so shit, you need a new one. And you're like, wait, that's my website. That's my, yeah. I worked on yeah. this, shut up. Yeah. But you, if I tell you, hey, it's so cool how you've actually worked with different elements, I do think you can get a better conversion if you change this, this, and this. We could totally. really help you with it. Yeah. But just the fact that you have this is amazing. Yeah. And now we're probably going to work together. So yeah. Exactly, otherwise you kind of close up. You're just, totally. just kind of defend the yourself instead up, of taking it You do it the in. defense. Yeah. And I did that all the time. Like I would you stop listening or you roll your eyes or you want to yeah. turn your back. Um, and it was just that every single day. But after going to America, like, it was incredible. And it sort of taught me a lot, one, about myself, my training, my motivation. Like, I fell in love with gymnastics all over again. It made me feel like that eight-year-old that just stepped into the gym the first time. Um, and so I tried to bring that back to Australia and say, this isn't right, we're doing things wrong here. You know, I was way more motivated with that style of coaching and that environment than just, yeah, just constantly being told I'm not good enough. We don't want to brush over it a little too fast because you just said you set a goal, which yeah. is getting to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and we brushed over that because you did. It was like a, a, a tough goal, a long goal, because um, I, you know, the rules in gymnastics, you become a senior at the age of 16 as well for female wow. gymnastics. So back in the day, you can compete at any age. Um, 
I used to be like 14 and there's been cases that have been revealed, you know, from other Olympics that the Chinese were still 14 and had fake passports and mm. all this stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one because I guess children are easier to manipulate in that sense. And my goal was the Olympics and for me I was in that mindset where I was just willing to, you know, take on the abuse and, you know, it was almost towards the end I wasn't training because I loved it anymore. I was training for the goal um, that yeah, I just would walk into the gym and do what I was programmed to do. It wasn't, I didn't get much joy out of it anymore. I was on those final couple years and just training just for that Olympic goal. So it was probably one of your career highlights, but... <laughs> yeah, it was, at, it was terrifying. It was, on yeah. a, it was like, the comp itself was, was great. The trial process. Like, I get sweaty just like, just talking about it and thinking about it again, because they take, you know, everyone that wants to try goes to national championships and they took the top, top 24 to the second trial and then the top 12 to the third and final trial and six make it onto the team. And it was a closed trial, a week training camp at the Canberra Institute, no friends, no family, no spectators. Uh, so it's just judges, coaches and officials. Um, and it's like just this week of training alone, there's 12 of you and you know that six get selected. And so it's kind of like you start piecing together teams inside your head. You're like, oh yeah. oh, yeah, she looks good. Oh, yeah, she'd be really good, you know. And no matter what team you put together, you're always on it, you know. It's like I'll try put me on the team and five others. But, um, yeah, we competed the Saturday morning and then the Sunday morning, waited all afternoon and they announced the team that afternoon. And oh, they don't do it like this anymore, um, thank goodness, but... They took us into this massive auditorium, like a giant theatre. And again, just 12 of us sitting in our seats. The coach is like way up the back. Damn. And then the CEO of Gymnastics Australia just announcing the team one person at a time. And I remember the first girl got called, second, the third, the fourth. I'm still in my seat. Like, you know, people get butterflies. I swear to God, I had dragons. Like, I, I, <laughs> I felt sick to the stomach and then the fifth name got called and, like, at that point I was in my head and I was like, it's done, it's over, like, 11 years. I'd trained 11 years for this moment and then the sixth name got called out and it was my name and it just went from, like, the sickest feeling to the sickest feeling. Like, I was, <laughs> like just all I wanted to do Damn. was, like, call my mum and dad. And later I found out they announced it alphabetical by your last name. Ah. <laughs> ah yeah. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I think that's good you maybe didn't know because. Yeah, I know, right? You would have been like. Oh, even more what? stress. Yeah. yeah. But, I'm, I'm not, I mean, maybe, maybe then she would have been like, all right, maybe, this yeah. makes sense. <laughs> that's true. Been, maybe but imagine been your better, letter yeah. being skipped then and then it's just. Oh, that's also harsh. Yeah, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, yeah. So the other gymnast we spoke about was pretty against the way that people score in gymnastics uh, because he feels it's super subjective. How is, what's your <laughs> opinion on that? He's, he actually said, especially for women gymnastics. Yeah, totally. Especially for women. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, we always knew sort of coming up through the system, which again, I think needs to change a little bit 
you know how I said, like, my goal was always to make the Olympics. Like, I want to go to the Olympics. After my four years in America, I was kind of came back and I was like, why was our goal just to get there? Why weren't we, like, looking at the best? Why weren't we saying, I want to win, I want to get gold at the Olympics? That was, like, never said. And it was kind of like this understood, I don't know, like this understanding that we were just one of the underdogs, you know, or an underdog country and that it's really, it's an amazing thing if we just make team finals. So um, you see that in gymnastics all the time, you know, people are biased to whatever leotard or country you're on and judges get bribed and stuff like that. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, you can't like go outrageous with the subjection, you know, Clearly, if you fall, you can't pretend like you dropped yeah. your pen and missed the fall completely. <laughs> but, um, you know, the little tents, they all add up. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah. in some ways you kind of wish it was like athletics or swimming where you touch that and the timer ends or stops. So um, maybe so, like one day in the future they'll just have like computer judges and then the, com the programs will just be like, oh, boop, that was boop, 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 you know. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that might be a solution. <laughs> I, I, I hope I hope they use that sound effect you just made. Yeah. They will use that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will use that. I don't know. <laughs> Especially that one. Epic. If you yeah. fall, if you fall, yeah. uh, you're out. Yeah. I, I just want to briefly touch on the sort of the verbal abuse because actually I don't know. We are a very small country, so that news probably didn't reach you. But there's a pretty big thing going on here in gymnastics where yeah. the the coach of the women's team actually. Well, he's been accused of doing the same, but he's also the father of girls who are actually in the Olympic team. Yeah. Um, so I feel like this is something very broad within the sport. Have you heard gymnastics, it in gymnastics? Yeah. Within in gymnastics, or have you heard about it more? It's something that's just sort of really come into the light and conversation uh, since the Netflix series came out. The Netflix uh, documentary. It's called Athlete A. Unfortunately, it surrounds a really sad incident that happened in America with their physician taking full advantage of these underage girls. Um, but it showed how it, you know, it was able to happen and it thrived in this culture uh, where things are overlooked. And um, I guess, you know, it is coming out now that it is technically abuse and it's caused generations of mental health issues and, and stuff like that following these athletes growing up in that culture. But, you know, still to my core, I don't believe that coaches are bad people. I just think that it's stemmed from this generation that was, you know, coaching 14-year-old girls um, to win gold medals and that was taught. Like that was just coaches wanted to learn from the best and that was just the way that they were doing it back then and um, I think it just comes from education. Um, yeah. Do you think that there should be mainly female coaches and trainers for women? Because of course it's a sport where you touch someone a lot, where you help them and where. Yeah. I thought I saw uh, online, did you have a female coach? I had a male point? and a female. Yeah. I thought I read that online, so they are there. Yeah, mm. but I mean, maybe have more the female coach for because it's such a physical sport also in helping them and training and mm. touching them. And yes. it's yeah, very it's easy to get inappropriate, even if you don't want mm. to. Yeah, it's, I, think. it's I, I get what you mean. Yeah, in the, in the way you said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's, it's, you know, it's become such a fine line now. And there yeah. are a lot of really amazing coaches out there. So I don't want to take away from that or, you know, try stain the sport altogether. But, you know, I, I have, I've had amazing male coaches as well. Uh, you know, I've had a real fucking some shit ones, but <laughs> I've had some amazing ones that when I was doing it as an adult, especially after college, you know, Sometimes you do need that male spotter that is just stronger and that can you can help you do the skills, um, you know. Yeah. So, but it is that fine line, you know, because some of the spotting, like you, you need to have your hand on their backside to get their butts up into the air, you know. And when you've got a male coach and a nine-year-old gymnast, there's there's lines, just there's lines there. So. Yeah, it's, right. uh, but yeah. it is in yeah. conversation now and I'm hoping that just through acknowledging this and, you know, giving assistance to the gymnasts that have been affected in the past and education moving forward, I hope that the sport really just sort of keeps growing because, I, like I said, I've experienced that collegiate-level gymnastics where it was the most incredible environment and, it, yeah, it, it motivated me as an athlete and I think I carry that now into my training now, in my goal setting now um, and what motivates me um, today. So I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a kind of, when I look at your entire story and uh, when we did our research, um, it's, it baffles me that I'm not looking or talking to a 60-plus-year-old in what you have experienced already. It's insane. You're 32 it's years true, old, yeah. and all the things you've gone through, you've done, because uh, we're not even at the Ninja Warrior chapter, which is maybe one of the, also a very big chapter, but we're, there's even a story about you starting uh, your own cafe. Yeah. Um, how did that happen, and, and what, is, what is the story behind that? I think, uh, well, in my second last gymnastics year, um, in the way that a skill gets named, gets its name in gymnastics is you've got to be the first to compete it at a world champs or Olympic event. And so I was working on the Vivian, um, a skill on the uneven bars. We went from high bar to low bar and I was in America at the time and I got it and I was like super excited and I just kept doing it. And then one of them, I was like, I didn't really feel right. And my back was in a bit of pain, um, you know, I didn't know what it was, but the flight back to Australia, actually, that cabin pressure really blew it out into two fractures and a tear um, in one of my discs in my back. And oh, it was just like I was out for months and I remember just laying down on the couch and my mum uh, is in real estate and she noticed, you know, I think I was, gosh, what, like 20, 23 or 24 at the time, maybe, oh. It all just like jumbles together. Yeah. But I remember, I specifically remember laying on the couch and she's like, Olivia, maybe it's time to just hang up the grips, you know. She was like, there's this like deli that it's coming up for lease in like 14 months, you know. Why don't you just sign the new lease? Like why don't you just run your own deli? And I went to college. I studied exercise, sports science and new media communications, like I'd never made a coffee before in my life. Like, what is hospitality? But I remember just laying there and I was like, oh, it had been a, a shit year, um, 2013. Like, I lost my dad um, to cancer earlier in the year and oh, it was just, and then I broke my back and um, I remember sleeping on it and the next day I was like, fuck it, let's just go balls to the wall. Like, why not? I'll just run a deli, like, as if it's hard. 
Um, and so I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, let's go on this adventure. Um, thank God I had like 14 months to prep and plan and like learn and stuff like that. And I ended up returning to gymnastics for another year, did a Commonwealth Games, which was hands down the best comp I've ever done in my life. We've got mm. stories for that one. And then another <laughs> World Championships uh, where I relearned the Vivian and, and stuff like that. But yeah, again, after that, I was, I still loved gymnastics, but it was that culture that ended up wearing me back down again. And yeah went into this cafe. Um, again, it was supposed to be a deli and in Australia you've got regulations you have to meet to be a cafe. You've got to have a disabled toilet, a grease trap, like extraction fans, like all these things that I had, you know. Yeah. I was just like, I'll stand there and sell stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we... Um, yeah, we ended up just, like... Oh. Yeah, go, go, sorry. I'll just oh, keep no, talking. No, sorry, so, you need yeah, to I be mean, like... Yeah, Yo, that's, that's perfect. I just think, before I forget, because people might be on the edge of their seat to know because you just said it. Yep. Did you do, uh, the, it, did Vivian end up working? Uh, I Is ended that what up, you just said or you tried I it? Ended, yeah, I ended up um, doing it. But the code value, again, because you submit the, the skill and, you know, really to put a skill in your routine to make it worth it, it's got to be at least a D. So A is the easiest and then it just keeps going down. And the, the judges or the committee sort of gave it a C value, which it was just, it's not worth it for how difficult this skill really was. Um, so we're, there, we're doing it in podium sessions, but we just decided for competition it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the risk um, for such a low value. So, so there's no Vivian though. No. At least in gymnastics. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but still it must have been, for you it must have felt amazing that something that while trying to get it, you actually broke your back, yeah. um, that you now did it. Yeah, no, it was, it was, honestly, I was pretty upset. I didn't get to compete it just cause like, I'll, you know, personally, I was like, I don't care if it's an A, like it's, it will be the Vivi, you know, like who cares, but it's a team comp, a team scenario. It's, it wasn't like I was just heading in there as an individual athlete. So you've, you you do have to think about the team and put that first. What I really notice in the whole story, but also reading up on, on you is, it doesn't really matter what life throws at you. I think when you have a goal or you want to reach something, you just go like all out. Has it always been the case for you? Like you just go fully all out whenever oh, like, this totally. is my goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, but that's, that's, I think that's my personality when I have a goal and I am so driven and focused and, you know, I'm that kind of person that just you fall down, you get back up. If I believe I can do it, and I think that's the key to anything, you've got to have that self-belief that you can do it no matter what other people tell you because throughout my entire career I've always been told I'd be too tall to be a gymnast, you know, you're too skinny, too knobbly, too weak, you'll never get there. Um, if I tell myself I can, um, you, can't, you kind of can't stop me. Um, which this I is think, why, yeah. oh yeah, sorry, yeah. move on. No, no, no. Oh, it's super inspiring. Yeah, sure. exactly. And this is also why um, what Bob said, that the gymnast um, had no goals, which is actually against, not against, but uh, kind of not the normal way you see pro athletes go for it. So I was, it's interesting to see your take and hear your take on setting goals, that it is very important for you and know your uh, yeah. priorities at that point, um, which is just an interesting Yeah, because yeah, I think reading your story, I, I, if I remember correctly, the first thing is 
you know, at your birth, there was already an issue and doctors said you would never really be able to do sports. Um, then they said you were too tall, then you broke your back and you would never be able to do sports again. Yeah. Um, and I think you've achieved quite some things afterwards <laughs> in terms of sports. So I think it's super cool that no matter what people tell you, like if you put your mind to something and you really want to get something, a lot of things are possible. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's, I think people just have different personality types as well. You know, like hearing that story of, going in and just not really having a goal because you didn't want that pressure or the nerves. Um, like I understand that some people have a fear of failing, you know, for, I had to battle that for a little while leading up to the Olympics. I found myself like in the last couple of years getting really lazy and complacent um, just because I was scared to give it 100% and fail because like that, you know, 11 years for this one goal, I'm not sure what I would have done if I didn't get it. Um, so I think personality types, you know, we grow, we learn, but some people are really just super complacent and they don't really care. Um, they'll go into the gym and they'll spend half the time on their phone. You know, like it's, it's, it's strange yeah. like that, but... Maybe good for people listening. So you said you you also had to battle a bit of sort of the doubt and like the mm. fear Failure. of fa failing. Uh, how did you actually overcome that? Because I think a lot of people have this. Um, well, <laughs> you, you, like I, I think with sport at any level, um, but especially elite level, like it's there's a lot of mental training that comes into it. Um, the mind is so powerful and we overlook it. We really do when we should be training it just like any other muscle, you know, like some people get a personal trainer because they, they want bigger, stronger legs. Um, for me, it was I had to get a psychologist to work my brain. Um, but we see, you know, there's always been that stigma around, oh, you're seeing a psychologist? Oh, you're crazy, you know. But if you'd shown up and be like, sorry, like I'm late from my personal trainer, we're just working on leg day, they'd be like, oh, man, I should get to the gym. That's it's so funny true. how we think about that. That's um, so true, yeah. Yeah, I so, think it's changing a bit, though, that stigma. It is, getting yeah. mental Because the yes. mental health is getting so much more attention now, which is super important. Especially after COVID. You know, we really saw that really obvious effect across the entire globe. Uh, you know, I know the Australian government, like, is really trying to support and help with mental health, and um, which I think is great because we've overlooked it for too long. But that was... For me, I had to work with a psychologist because, you know, it's the uh, Australian sort of sport, the elite level like training. They're not going to just coach a gymnast that's giving 50% because she's scared that she won't make it. They're like, no, you're 100% in or you're 100% out of the gym. Like, so, yeah, that was, that was for me. I had to work on my mind. So you, at some point, said you sort of uh, stopped gymnastics. Yeah. Um, what, what happened and what happened after? Yeah, so that was when I'd signed the lease to the cafe. Um, lucky I had a bit of time, but we started renovations because it just looked a bit dingy. And I like just wanted to renovate the ceiling and the floor and they started renos and they ended up finding asbestos. And it's just like, oh, my savings? gone. Um, all that was remaining was this brick wall. But I got to sort of go up, stuff it. We'll just go straight into a cafe. And um, when creating it and theming it, um, I ended up dedicating it to my dad, who was a plumber. And he was like generations of plumbers. Like his dad, his grandpa, you know, started, I think, back in 1904. And so I called it the Leaky Tap. 
Um, there was like plumbing themed in there, like all the taps, all the lights were like taps with light bulbs at the end. I had um, clear seats, just there was 10 of them, so not all of them, but clear chairs that had toilet bowls on the bottom. And in each toilet bowl is something different, like themed around things that either you find in the toilet or you drop in the toilet. Um, so I was like asking around, you know, I had the obvious, like there were snakes and there was like the phone because we've all dropped the phone in the toilet. There was some money. But then some guy was like, why don't you put sunnies in there? And I was like, sunnies? He's like, yeah, all the guys, like they'll look down and bloop. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm a girl. I sit on the toilet. I don't get that. But um, yeah, so I had some sunnies in one and yeah, it was like, it was just super fun. And um, I fell in love with it. I had no idea what I was doing at the beginning, um, but I was really fortunate because a lot of athletes, when they go from training 34 hours a week with this massive goal and they've just accomplished it and they go, now what? And then suddenly they've got 34 hours a week that they have to fill with stuff or they don't have a goal or something to spend their time in. But for me, it was like, here's a full-time job <laughs> and you don't own the cafe, it owns you. Um, and so, but luckily I, I really, truly fell in love with it and I just spent years there, just I wasn't doing anything else really. I had actually fallen out of love with exercise and fitness. I think just my last year, couple of years in gymnastics, just again with the criticism and blah, it, it does wear on you. And I was like, just over it. So I just, I did that for years and frothed it, loved it. I, yeah, still smile just thinking about it. Um, we will definitely put up some photos uh, on, on yeah. for people watching I'll, on YouTube off the bar you. for sure. Yeah, please send us. I'll have um, to send some toilet photos. Yeah, yes. definitely yes. send us some photos. Yes. Um, but the, the weird thing is, so there's one thing on your Wikipedia page that we couldn't really find any information about, and I'm confused about it because it said that at that time you also joined Cirque du Soleil. I did, um, I did a little stint in Montreal uh, with Cirque, okay. uh, which was awesome. Oh, I love I like the environment where it doesn't matter where in the world you're from. They just kind of like are inclusive of all sorts. Like you could sit there at the table eating mayonnaise with chopsticks and they'd be like, oh, it's totally normal. It's, it's like this <laughs> magical Maybe. world where everyone just fits in. It's like the weird and the strange all just fit in. And we were um, working on this new apparatus. It was like a mixture of this swing and a trapeze. It was a swinging trapeze and we were coming up with moves and tricks and, and stuff like that and seeing what was possible on that new apparatus. And it was so fun, it was so cool, but. So where was this in the timeline, roughly? Um, this was, oh, this was <laughs> a couple of years into the cafe. I'd been offered a few contracts with Cirque, but they were all just really bad timing. And because when they offer you a contract, it's tight. Like you can't leave the show unless there's a death in the family. And even then it's back for the funeral, come straight back there. They keep you on a really tight leash show-wise. And so if you sign an 18-month contract, that's an 18-month contract. You're gone. And it was all just really bad timing. Um, but this was, again, uh, it was probably the same year as then I got the phone call for Ninja Warrior. 
<laughs> and I remember because I got the call and then I got a Cirque du Soleil email on the same day. Mm. Yeah. So I was in the cafe. It was quiet and I the phone rang and I answered the phone and it's like, it was just this lady and she was like, hey, is this Olivia? I was like, yeah. She was like, hey, we're, we're filming this show. Um, we'd love you to be a part of it. We'll fly you to Sydney. We'll put you up in a hotel. And... Um, and yeah, you would just like do some obstacles. <laughs> I was like, all right. I thought I was doing, I don't know if you guys have seen it over there. It's called Wipeout. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought I was doing. Um, oh, so they didn't tell you the show? It was they probably new, did, right? but it probably just went like this. No, um, I mean, it was, it was the first uh, season of uh, Ninja yeah. Warrior, mm -hmm. but they already had it in the US, I think. Yeah, but I'd never seen it. Uh, in the US. Again, I uh -huh. lived in a gymnastics bubble and then I lived in a cafe. Uh, so I was pretty yeah. <laughs> sheltered. Um, but I remember sleeping on it. Um, and I felt with Cirque, like I'd been to Montreal, I've kind of worked in there and I just knew that it would be a, a full-time contract and I'd have to sell the cafe or do something if I took it. So I decided to do this uh, Ninja Warrior and I flew over to Sydney and, yeah, I just, yeah. yeah. The rest is history. The rest is history. This, this is amazing. She's making her own bridge just to the next topic that we wrote down. We don't even have to ask yeah. questions. Yeah. So you just go no, from the cafe to serve to, it's yeah. perfect. That's epic. So Ninja Warrior. Ninja um, Warrior. You did that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how was that? How was that and all the seasons? That was everything. It was, yeah. It was, <laughs> I, I want to know. I mean, like, I guess the first year I, I thought I was doing Wipeout. And again, like, this had been years. <laughs> Up to the moment you were there. Yeah. Until the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, I hadn't trained. Like, I, you know, I'd cooked food and made coffee. Like, maybe my wrist was strong. I, but that was it. Like, I remember showing up. We did this full day of media. And in the interviews, uh, they asked me, oh, why, why are you doing Australian Ninja Warrior? And I couldn't sit there and be like, um, because you invited me. Um, so I was like, yeah. in my interview, I was like, um, to perv on the hot guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Little did God. you know you would be banned shortly after. <laughs> banned shortly after. Like, oh no, no next season. So luckily that didn't happen. Yeah, so that was um, my season one interview. And I remember, because they, they don't show you the course until an hour before you start. So... We walk out. I'd done a full day of media. I am because I am, I am a white ghost with red hair. Like I was sunburnt to shit. I was so red, and just walking out there, one in pain, but two, just seeing the scale of these obstacles. I was like, holy shit, this is not wipe out. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and some, that's hilarious. <clears throat> But I just, I had no expectations. No one knew what they were doing, actually. No one had any idea what was going on. Um, I no just prior had, training? I, for me, no. I think, you know, years the of gymnastics. gymnastics yeah. Um, yeah, but a few years in between. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, somehow I, I got to the warped wall. Um, but then anyone that doesn't really know technique or how to run up a wall, I ran into it three times, like face planted the thing. Like you would. Um, but, you know, the red lights went on. I'd had the best time. I'd had the best night. Um, and I flew back to Perth. 
And I just remember feeling like I want to, you know, I wish I'd gone to semifinals. Like I had that fire again. I was kind of like, man, that was so cool. Um, I wanted to be in the next round and I wasn't. I didn't get through to semifinals. So I flew back to Perth. I Googled Ninja <laughs> um, and the Ninja Academy in Perth popped up and I was like, who has a Ninja Academy? Like, what is, yeah. like, what is it this It sounds thing? super cool, just the name. It, it sounds insanely cool, yeah. but like, who start, like, st starting that would be like a, an insanely big gamble to me because you, you being like so insanely into sports and maybe that, well, not, not, not Ninja at that time before, but like, must have known about it and you didn't know about it. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, I, you know, it, it still was new. Like the gym was very oh, new. Right, yeah. The owner, Dave Ravi, has been a fan of Sasuke, which is the original Ninja Warrior that or originated in Japan many, many years ago. Um, and he was a former accountant and just decided to change his life and built this gym based off his passion and his love for Sasuke. And he knew that American Ninja Warrior was gro keep like growing and growing hoping that one day it would come to Australia and little did he know, bam, it did. And season one went off in Australia. Like the kids frothed at this stuff. Um, unfortunately for them, the Ninja Academy was adults only. <laughs> so, so eventually Dave started putting in kids stuff because the demand was just crazy. And, yeah, I just remember training there like once a week, then twice a week and three times and then I bought a membership because casual entries are really expensive um, and then, you know, months later I sort of noticed Ben in the gym and he was like, he had longer blonde hair at the time and he'd walk around shirtless like this god in the gym because he's like six foot a thousand. Just walk Six around. foot a thousand. Yeah, seriously, he's so tall. It's like, hello. Um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm never going to invite him. Yeah, go on. Yeah. No. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, for the longest time we were just just mates or even just like casual friends. It wasn't even a real friendship. Like I always remind him, he used to do these awkward side hugs. Like who does the side hug, you know? He used to give the worst hugs um, and then... <laughs> He did. <laughs> he thinks he's a great yaga, but I I don't agree. <laughs> and when the I'm show hold this against yeah. him, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> when the show came out again, it just went crazy. So we formed this tight group of four, and we wanted to come up with programs and ways to help new people adapt to ninja because it is very technical. And until you know it and start training it, you you, you have no idea. And then um, one week, these other two didn't show up to the meeting and it was just Ben and I. And this meeting that normally goes for an hour went for six hours and we didn't talk any work at all. And we just started hanging out as, as really good friends and it just sort of evolved from there. And uh, this was right before the filming of um, season two. And I remember we have to hand in these, um, you know, papers, these interview papers of who's on your sideline as you're competing the course who's on the side that's mic'd up, that's yelling at you. And um, I remember I was like, I think the show was like six weeks away, and but Ben and I were just hanging out. We didn't like have that official talk or anything, but I was like, oh, like six weeks, I'm sure we'll be boyfriend, girlfriend. So I wrote, <laughs> uh, who's on your sideline? Ben Polson, boyfriend, because it's asked for their relationship to you. I was like, boyfriend. And then later that night, Ben and I, you know, spoke about these forms and um, 
I was like, oh, yeah, I put you down as my boyfriend. And his face just was like, <laughs> he was like, I put you down as friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you got it. You can't, you can't blame Ben for that. Like, it's no, totally, start. totally. It started like that night we had the official conversation. Exactly. Uh, That's yeah. what I thought. This, yeah. this, she, again, she, she made an insanely it. good bridge. Yeah. A good bridge again to, to like how you met Ben because that was like the, but awesome. But season two, uh, did you have to, you have to apply for that or did they ask you again? We applied, um, you know, again, now I knew what it was and I did the full application process, which was actually a lot longer than just agreeing to this phone call, um, like full questionnaire, like you had to do videos, photos, profile shots, all this stuff. Um, but, you know, we mentioned that we were a couple and they loved that. Um, but I remember sh sort of showing up and feeling so nervous because, um, like, I'd now trained this for a year. Uh, the wall that took me out, I knew I could do it, but you have to get through these five obstacles before the wall. Um, and I just I started feeling that pressure and that expectation that we all put on ourselves. And Ben, like, remembers me just standing there just, like, shaking. And he, he had to just come up and just be like, just chill, just relax, just go out there, have fun, be the goofy usual you. Um, but I think I was more nervous for that heat run in season two than I was at the Olympic Games. Hands down. I felt, yeah. Was... But it does remind me of the, the, the conversation we had with uh, Bram, the other gymnast, because he also said once I actually made something. So the first time in this world championship, he actually became fourth. Mm. And that's where all the pressure and the nerves yeah. started coming, because now you're actually training for something. People expect something of you. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's the whole mental thing again that you were talking about. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, pl you know, please continue. And this is all stuff we place on ourselves as well. And um, 100%. Yeah, it was, I think, you know, with, with the Olympics, like the trials were the hard part. That was, that was the most crucial. And then again, like I'd trained my routine a thousand times. The pressure came from doing it when the green light was on. But this was like I knew I could do the last obstacle and no female had hit a buzzer in Ninja Warrior yet in Australia. So it was kind of like... I know I can do that one, but I have to get through these other ones that I've never touched or never tried. And um, yeah, we ended up going, you know, going down to the five. And even on the last one, I'm like hanging like one arm, I'm blowing Ben a kiss on the last obstacle and then getting up the wall. And I trained this backflip because, um, you know, I think with my new media um, education from America, I understood that this wasn't just it's not just an athletic competition, it's TV. Um, it's first and foremost TV, you know, they don't care about you as an athlete. Like there's no warm up area. There's, you don't, you know, you just go and do it cold sometimes and you're competing at one, 2 a.m. in the morning. It's, it's not structured, you know, like for an athlete, um, it's TV. And so for me, I was like, everyone does the warp wall the same. How can I stand out? How can I be different? How can I add to the show, boost ratings, do what I can do? Um, and so, yeah, I got to the wall, got up it, turned around, did this backflip. You can hear the presenters being like, no, no, what is going on? You know, it was... Um, <laughs> It was crazy. It was so, it was so cool. Epic. Yeah, it, was, it felt really good. 
And of course, the next the next year, you only had to answer the phone call again rather than apply. After all yeah, of that, right? Yeah, I think there they wanted me back after that. Yeah, that was. Hey, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, was... um, Ben and you competed on the same uh, season or seasons, actually. Uh, yeah. How was that uh, sort of uh, rivalry? Like, like the, the the are you guys enemies? No, I mean, like now that the seasons go on, there's definitely like more competition. Like. I definitely feel like I want to beat him more and more now. But, you know, back then, like season two, he'd made the grand final season one. He He's so gifted and athletic and tall, which really helps when it comes to ninja. But I just wanted to hit a buzzer. I just wanted to beat a wall, which again brought me back to my mindset. And I was like, because I made the grand final that year. Um, and then after that, I flew home and I was like, Why was my goal just to get up the wall wall? And that's when I restructured and regrouped and said, fuck it, I'm going to go for the mountain. I'm going to retrain my brain. I'm going to go for the gold. Like, don't just try and get there. I want to try win it. And again, you have to sort of tell yourself that. You've got to write it down. You've got to buy into believing, um, believing that you can do it. And that's the hard part. Because it's so, easy so to do... say, but it's kind of it's hard to truly believe that you can do that and then start structuring your training towards the Definitely. smaller goals to make it happen. It's 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 fucking hard. It is like it's it, with something yeah. like that, and you know, most times I feel like a delusional optimist in the sense that like I know that I'm a female. I know that unless I bought into steroids or illegal drugs, I'm just not going to get that same power uh, ratio that a guy can build in his biceps. You know, like it's different. And I have to attack the obstacles thinking about what's the best way for my body type to get through that. I really rely on my swing and use that gymnastics ability, whereas the men just like power their way through this stuff where I have to really think about dynamics and how else I can do it. So, yeah, it's tough, you know, buying into that belief that I can beat all these men. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's even now I'm just like, uh, but, you know, to get there you kind of have to start that train and, and do something yep. different and... Um, do you do this yeah. by uh, affirmations, so writing down as affirmations or by visualizing or or what, what do you use to yeah, make your brain believe this? Um, I think at first it was kind of just something that I just really wanted to do and, you know, I stuck it up in places. I had alarms that would go off on my phone just throughout the day reminding me, you know, just to hold yourself accountable a little bit and... Because, you know, no one sets their alarm and, you know, wakes up and just, nah, you've got to be reminded of your why. Like, actually, yes. why are you doing it? Um, that's kind of what digs even deeper into the motivation. And I don't think everyone's why is different. And even my why throughout the years have changed. Like season one. Of course. I wanted a free trip to Sydney and to perv on the shirtless men. Like, that was my why. <laughs> um <laughs> Season two, I wanted to beat a warped wall. Season three, it kind of started shifting into I want to win the show. And then what came through that on a deeper level was inspiring other women. Um, and I sort of feel like that is more my why and my purpose now. Um, it's not money at the top of this giant rope. Um, 
it's, you know, motivating other women to believe in themselves and just to attack their goals and to give it a go or um, just kind of step out there and I feel like, and yeah. I, I think those are the strongest whys out there. If, yeah. if your why is just change, uh, chasing money, I've seen that with people I've coached as well, then you make the money, now what? Is that going to make you happy? No, because you haven't achieved something that is, yeah. you know, something you're proud of or something that really makes a difference for you or people around you. So yeah. I think finding that why will probably improve your skill set even times, you know, 10 again, because now you're so motivated. Yeah. Um, 100%. But, but motivation dips, and you guys would know that, you know. If, if, it's fitness, it's just, you know, in fact, everyone's journey. We all go through the highs and the lows and the, the what am I doing, why am I doing this? Um, even now, like I was chatting to Ben about this the other day, you know, because, you know, a few years into Ninja, I really was like, you know, I've got to commit myself. So I ended up auctioning off the cafe, uh, so sold the cafe, and then what I found was I just had a lot more time. Um, with this new passion, this new goal. And I feel like with time comes a bit like, I don't know, like that less structure. Um, we were chatting about this the other day in the sense that like, I'm very clear that my why and my purpose on this show is to motivate other young girls. Like I really just want them to go swing, go do that movement, get healthy. Cause it, Ninja Warrior changed my life. Like it took me from hating exercise. Like. You couldn't even bribe me to go to a yoga class, and I love bribes. So that was pretty, you know, I just wouldn't. And it totally just, again, just made me feel like that little girl playing on the playground again. And I want other females to just believe in themselves, What, no matter what their goal is, whether it's fitness, whether it's academic, whether it's just something, you know, in life that, you know, people have told her that she wouldn't be able to do. Um, but I don't have that structure, you know. I don't go to work or this workplace every day where it's like, oh, the alarm goes off, go to work, do my things. It's a little bit more flexible now. And so, yeah, it's hard to be reminded of that why when there's no call time. I mean, this uh, this was a great, like, motivation sort of, uh, or at least there was so much info in here for people who are now maybe struggling with this and, and maybe lack motivation. But uh, yeah. like you said, there were, there was just so much. The, the thing is that the energy you have right now, and you're talking about um, like really taking this to, to girls and, and women uh, everywhere. Um, I think that definitely is, is a very strong point of yours. And we always end uh, the podcast with one big question. I, I have one more question oh, before one more we go question. to the last question. <laughs> one more question. Uh, we also skipped the part where you actually beat Ben, by the way, because oh, you ooh, did beat Ben ooh. in the in the Ninja Warrior, <laughs> which will definitely also maybe uh, let's first start there. How how did that feel? It actually, I'll, like, I'll be honest. As competitive as we are, we're also very supportive of one another, and we know how hard the training is and how mentally tough that whole show and process is. I beat him because he fell in the water, you know. I didn't beat him because we oh, he, both he climbed the rope. So and you I beat was, him. Yeah. But he missed out on the grand final. And so my name got called to advance through and his didn't. And that was, you know, it was very bittersweet, that was. But, exactly. Um, I guess it actually kind of maybe feels even like, yeah, you got to the, to the final, but yeah, you're boyfriend on the other hand didn't so yeah. that yeah that could kind of yeah. feel but he probably was very happy for you <laughs> 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 
we'll, we'll ask him next time. Oh, <laughs> Ben, Ben. <laughs> you just no see way. him on like the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, no, uh, right. Okay, I, I, but the question I had actually, because something triggered me when you said, oh, so now I didn't have structure and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, I also moved. So basically... When we talk about peak performance, so getting the best out of yourself, the number one thing you should normally fix is the environment, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then it, then biology and then mindset. So, when it comes to environment, you had this place where your life was sort of structured. You had to go to the cafe and then you had to do your workout. And now that structure was gone. Your environment changed. And even more so, it changed even more now because you're not living in a place where you have a monkey bar to your fridge, but now you actually have to go to a gym. So, how do you sort of cope or how do you make sure that that change of environment doesn't affect your your training? Yeah, and I think like that's it's such an important message for everyone out there because, you know, we're all learning what works for us and some people just love going to a gym, putting their headphones on and doing weights or doing stuff at the gym. I am not like that. I need people. I need others pushing me. Um, I need even just a little bit of competition within the workout itself to push me even harder. Um, And that is my personality. And sort of once I figured that out, even when I was living in Brisbane in a house of ninjas, I'd still go do these high-intensity training sessions with other people um, in a group setting um, just because I find that that works best for me. And then you'd come home and fucking Fred's on the spinning bar and he's like, you can't fucking beat me. I'm like, I'm going to fucking beat you. Um, You know, and then like you have that fun competition side when you're at home and kind of here it's we're finding like I'm still going to do my group sessions because that's what holds me accountable and gets me going. And then with Ben it's kind of like let's go to the ninja gym together Um, because it is a lot harder to train on your own and, you know, it's nice when you have other energy there and you're feeding off each other, you're challenging one another. Uh, you've got two minds that are going to the creativity and I think a big one is holding each other accountable, um, you know. Yeah. So, and I think that's with a lot of people, they might, the hardest part is like sometimes just getting there, just getting mm-hmm. to the gym is we're like, you know, and I still feel it, you know, like they say I'm this like, you know, top female in Ninja Warrior and it's like, I still struggle to get off the couch. Like, you just want to click the next episode on Netflix. Like, I, that's me. Like, I'm like, just, ugh, I'll just, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do the workout tomorrow. And that's when you got to hold yourself accountable or even have yeah. someone to hold you accountable. Um, the, the best trick I've ever learned for that is, it's say with getting up or going to the gym, right? If you, you, you feel like you, you don't want to go, I'll, I'll go tomorrow, as you said. It's basically ask yourself on a scale of zero to 10, how much do I feel like going now? And maybe that's a three because you don't feel like going. Yeah. Uh, and we're very used as humans to always be negative. So we're always focusing on oh, why don't I want to go? Why aren't you doing this? Um, and then ask yourself, okay, so why is it not a two? Why is it a three, not a two? Mm. And you basically start thinking about, okay, because I know I'll actually be close to my goals. I know I will actually be more motivated. I'll actually be healthier, fitter. Um, and that in return, all of a sudden boosts that three to like a seven or eight. So yeah. focusing on the positive things is yeah. so important as humans, I think. 100%. And, yeah. and I think that I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So we're going to ask the last question. Yes. The last question we always have is what is your superpower? What do you excel at? What are you better at than others? And you can break. There is, you, you're definitely allowed to break. <laughs> all right. This is totally not even fitness related. This is opposite. It doesn't I, matter. I feel like I could 
eat more than like big rugby players. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best answer we've had. This is the best answer for sure. Anyone that, you know, and you get athletes that are like, oh, yeah, I eat so much. I'm, you know, I will put you to shame, I promise. Um, <laughs> people that know me will be like, oh, shit, your fridge, yeah, your fridge isn't going to last very long. Um, I'm, yeah, that's, but yeah, that's. So if you, if you quit with the award, you can always do eating competitions. I think so, unless it's spicy. I just can't. I wish, I <laughs> that's like, a, that's wish. A good, uh, good to know. You need to know your, your food skills, your eating skills. Yeah, it just hurts coming out the other end. Like, it's just it's not worth it. <laughs> this has been the best answer. Ever. Yes, I think yes. you could also go to comedy, by the way, afterwards. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And going into that, I actually want to say that um, what I think, or at least what I've noticed so far, is that uh, I want to really thank you for being on this podcast. Uh, your energy was amazing, and I think you can definitely inspire and teach others a oh, lot, yeah. um, which I think is one of your goals right now. Mm. Um, is that your main goal right now? What is your main goal in life, or maybe hitting that buzzer on Ninja Warrior? Yeah, look, like I still haven't climbed that rope and, and won the show. You know, I'm still aiming for that but again falling on that main purpose of just inspiring other women Um, and then you know if I'm truly honest and this has taken me a few months to sort of just come into like focus with myself I again it's like that goal and I know it's my goal but like I said it lacks the structure and that workplace so for me I feel like I'm also in this space where I'm searching for another goal, where I'm searching for the next thing um, or just something to go on the side of it as well uh, because I think that's healthy. And for me, I like being focused and, um, you know, driven and just sort of busy with something. Um, So, you know, although, like, I'll I'll still be aiming for that um, mountain on Ninja and beating all the boys, um, yeah, I'm also searching for something new, which I think a lot of people will, um, you know, relate to as well. We, we kind of just go through these different journeys and that space where you just don't know what you're doing is kind of rough to sit in and I just, yeah, I hope that people know that that is totally normal as well. Um, I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. 100%, we 100% yeah. believe in you and getting there and uh, yeah. you will hit that buzzer. You will get that, uh, I think it's the golden buzzer on Ninja Warrior, you will get it. Um, thank you so much again yeah, for being so on the much. podcast. No, all her socials, or all the socials will be in the description below, uh, in the show notes, uh, wherever you're watching, listening. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, watching the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to smash like, subscribe, and hit that bell. And we loved it. I loved it. Oh, yeah, for sure. This was the easiest podcast we've ever done. You, yeah, you are because so like, I, ask one question I, and you just, I just talk. Oh, my God. Can't you just, oh, you need like your own buzzer to be like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so just mute, mute, yeah. mute. No, it, it didn't need it at all. It was no. so entertaining. And you actually yeah. told us such an interesting story. Yeah. I, again, want to thank you so much for being here. And awesome. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I did. I always Perfect. love talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm done. I'm I'm done, done. Show. <laughs> We're going to end it. Thank See you, so you guys much. in the next episode. <laughs>